Hey, it's a good day to be in, in God's house for sure. And um, we're going to keep talking today about this issue of foundations of, for freedom. Um, you heard it mentioned there with the students. And, and as we looked at just the overflow of what does freedom look like, I wanted to, us to take and, and look at different ideas of how, it's one thing to know the truth, but how do you stay in that? How do you continue to use that? And that's kind of what Foundations for Freedom is about, spiritual freedom. You know, um, I've, never, uh, I, I've never considered myself a, a theologian. And you think, well, is that kind of like an, a, an accountant that doesn't know debits and credits or something? You know, N- no, actually, uh, it, it's not the same. Um, there are, I, I live in the world of theology, but that doesn't, that doesn't make me an, an, a true theologian. I use it uh, to understand. There, it showed up even in my early years when I was pursuing my doctoral work. There's two types in my industry. There's a PhD. That's for the really smart people, okay? And then there's people like me, Jason. And, and, and I always knew, even when I was in high school, I knew I was not the sharpest tool in that shed. But what I could do was just outwork you. And that's where I would do that. It just never came easy to me. Academics never came easy to me. I had to work for it. So I chose the path of, of a D-men, doctor of ministry. And the reason is, and I'm not telling you that to tell you my resume. I'm telling you that for a reason. I've always been a guy on the street. I've always been somebody that was way more interested in street level. How do we actually survive? How can I take real concepts and move myself to higher ground, move you to higher ground? And so that's kind of how I approach the spiritual life is, you know, I think I would have been a good Jew, to be honest, Um, uh, really. Um, so, and for all of you over in the chapel, that's, y'all need to laugh at that. That was a good joke. They all laughed hysterically over here. Yeah, I don't know if y'all did it in the chapel. Um, there's, if you're a guest, we have a whole nother group. There's a group of weirdos over there. We don't even let them in the room, okay? Like we don't let them in. They have their own thing going, okay? And that's all, that's not my fault. That's Alexis Cruz's fault. He built that thing for 10 years, okay? And, and so just saying, um, but I think I would have been a good Jew. I'd have been a good Jew because Jews were, uh, the, 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 if, let's take the gospel. The, the gospel to a Roman, a Roman would have wanted to know, like, how powerful is this thing? Can I take over the world with this thing? That's what they would have been interested in. A Greek, a Greek person would have wanted to know, ooh, all the mysteries of the gospel. They would have been fascinated with the inner workings and the, the soul and the spirit and how all that works together. You know, that's how a Greek would have looked at it. A Jew would have wanted to know one thing. Will this actually get me there? Will I, I, if it's eight steps, don't care. 27 steps, don't care. Will it actually get me from A to B, right? And that's me. I, I'm interested in things. That's why you don't see me study parts of scripture. I mean, I've studied a lot of it, but there's things about it that... Whew, I mean, it, it gets pretty heavy pretty quick. And, and so today we're going to talk about some street level things about Sabbath. We, and I told you to talk to you last week. If you missed last week, you can get it on our podcast. We're going to talk about finding freedom through Sabbath uh, because this, this is kind of 2.0, right? This is the 2.0 version. Sabbath, as I mentioned last week, it, it's, it's not about doing less. And to be honest with you, for a long time, I kind of thought that. I thought, you, oh, that's the day. 
that's the day I'm not supposed to do anything, right? Like that's the day I'm supposed to kind of like gear it down. Well, I don't, I don't think it's about, I don't think Sabbath is about doing less. I think Sabbath is about doing life differently. I think that's what it's about. It's about how, and, and, and look, that's gonna be different for all of you. You know, as I approached today, I made you a promise last week. Last week, we, uh, last week we talked about kind of more of the, 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 the theology behind Sabbath and, and a little bit more. And, and today we're talking about like practical examples of how, how but, but the more I've worked on this this week, I'm like, you know, your life runs different than me. You know, for some of you, you know, uh, your soul replenishes through gardening. My, yeah. My soul dies just thinking about going to Lowe's for that thing. I don't even have to do the gardening. The idea of spending money on fertilizer is enough to make me want to move and sell my home. Okay? Uh, I would, I've told Michelle many times, if you'll let me put AstroTurf on that front yard, I'll do it. And, and, and it'll look green all year. It'll be awesome. I'm, I hate that stuff. So, so our lives move differently, right? We all know this. So Jesus said something. This is, we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 this morning. So it's, it's right in the front of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But look at this verse that Jesus said here in Mark 2. If you're taking notes, and Clearview's a note-taking church, and I love that about us. <clears throat> but Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. They were giving him all kinds of questions about healings and all that. Stuff. But it's in that statement, I want to tell you that Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for us. We weren't made for the Sabbath. So what does he mean by that? So I'm going to walk you through that in a little bit more, but I want to plant that in your mind because we're talking about spiritual freedom. How do I live in Christ? And so right out of the gate, <clears throat> I would tell you when it comes to <clears throat> your Sabbath work, I would tell you to refuse comparison. Okay. That's a really big deal. Number one, refuse comparison. So, so let me tell you why that matters. Comparison is a, is a big part of misery. In fact, President Roosevelt, he said it this way. Look at what Teddy Roosevelt said. Do we have a quote from him? Yeah. Comparison is the thief of joy. President Roosevelt said that. Uh, there's, he's, he, was so, he was good for so many quotes. And, 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 and when I say refuse comparison, let me tell you, um, I was even tempted to do it this week. I was reading about... Uh, I, I, when I was in uh, seminary, I remember being in my 20s and you would take these courses on spiritual practices and stuff. And I would read about these, you know, men of God that got up at like 3.30 in the morning and prayed for four hours, like legit. Okay. I tried that once. Once. Okay. God got mad. I did too. It didn't work. Okay, I mean, it just, it, I, I'm like, I can't, I can't live somebody else's life. So I began to find, you know, I began to find different rhythms. And even this week, I was, I was talking with this one a pastor who oh, I admire him so much, man. He is a true hero of mine. And he was talking about for, for, you know, the better part of 20 years, he's giving his whole morning to God. And I'm like, so I, I'm driving around all week and I'm going, you know, I don't, I don't do that like to the level that he does. And I started finding myself going in, but then look where, look how far he's gone in ministry. You see how fast that all of a sudden you start comparing and you start going, oh man, you know, if I did it his way, then it'd be, and you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. 
You know, first of all, I'm way better looking than that guy. I've got more hair too. And I'm saying, so you know, that there's, there, I could compare on that, but I'm not. You know, but the, the reality is that comparison is, it is, is the thief of joy. And, and, and the enemy works in comparison. Okay? And this is where Jews got it wrong. I mean, this is where the Pharisees got it wrong. Because see, what they did, this whole verse, look at this verse again in, in, in Mark 2. Um, Mark 2, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Well, see, they flipped that. That's what they did. The reason that Jesus hammered the Pharisees all the time is because they kept score. They kept score. Because they didn't know how to, they didn't know how to separate the sheep from the goats unless you keep score. So that's why Jesus said things to them like, oh, go to temple, but don't be like them. So y'all, some of y'all think Jesus was soft. Let me tell you how Jesus preached when the Pharisees were around. It's a whole new Jesus. Because Jesus called names. Like imagine Imagine that I said things like, you know, oh, go to church, but when you go to church, right, whatever you do, don't dress like Griff. There's Griff over there. Griff dresses great. But no, they're like, they're in the crowd. He was calling them out all the time. He, they, he said they like their phylacteries long. Why? So everybody knows they're more spiritual. They pray long prayers to be heard by people. You ever heard anybody launch out their prayers? Holy God. Like they add a syllable to the name. You know, I don't. Uh, you know, I'm just saying, and I'm not making fun. I'm saying that's what Pharisees did. So they, they, they had to keep score. And, and Jesus saying, no, don't keep score. Now I think that's why Jesus was such a breath of fresh air for so many people. Because they could be around him. He wasn't a snob. He related to God and he taught them how to relate to God. And so what they did is they flipped it because, because how are we gonna know the really spiritual people from the non-spiritual people if we don't keep like attendance records and all the things and how long the prayers are? And, and if you know they walk 27 paces on Sabbath when you should only walk 20? I mean, who gets to make up those rules? You know, and so that, that was their issue. In fact, that's, that's, that was where the problem came in with Jesus because you see, the way you relate, this is important. You want to understand the New Testament? Here you go. The, the way you related to God was through keeping the rules. And so when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus said, how about this, y'all? I am the rule. So they had to kill him. They had to kill him. Because if we can't, how are we going to relate to God through a relationship? Oh, no. No, no, we can't keep score of that. So we got to kill you. And that's the heartbeat of, of, of comparison. They, they flipped it. They flipped it to, no, we're, the Sabbath is something we have to work to get to. And Jesus is saying, no, man, no, the Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift for you. So I would say to you, just refuse comparison. As you go down this journey of spiritual freedom, man, you need to set your own, your own path. And so on, that, on the heels of that, I would tell you, if you want to find spiritual freedom in this idea of using a tool, see this whole series we're going to talk about, one week we're going to talk about gratitude, okay? And that's on the day when I'm going to tell you all, all the ways I'm not happy with everybody, okay? That's, that, was, that was just joking, right, right? 
No, no, we're going to talk about gratitude. We're going, we're going to talk about all kinds of things that help us get freedom alive with what God is doing in us. And so, so what, what would, not only do I would say re, refuse comparison, I would say, number two, create new covenants and new rhythms. Create new covenants and new rhythms. So you actually do get to, God's, God has given you the ability to create some of your own rhythms. You know, Jesus had, had habits, right? Jesus had habits. Jesus had ways of relating to God. If you ever looked at Jesus' life, you know what you'll see? He had a temple habit. Jesus went to church. It said he went to temple as was his custom. Jesus went, in fact, he even went to temple when his mom and dad didn't take him. Remember that? Where you been, boy? Preaching. He's only 12. Ah, I know, go figure. You know? He, 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 they couldn't find him. No, he was, and they, they were astounded. No, Jesus had a rhythm of going to worship. Jesus, Jesus had a rhythm of worship. Jesus had morning habits. Man, read the gospels. Jesus had habits in the morning. I don't know if he was a morning person or not, but Jesus certainly had habits in the morning. He had his own habits. I'll tell you what he also had. Jesus had departure habits. Jesus had, I'm serious. He had, he had what I would call pull away habits. If you read the first chapter of Mark, by my note, there's four times in the, in the, in the first chapter of Mark that, that Jesus was either walking away, pulling away, or in one particular instance, how un-American is this? When his brand was on the rise and the crowds were looking for him everywhere, it says, he, in Mark, I think it's Mark 1.45, he stayed outside of the city. I don't think Jesus was an introvert. I don't know. I don't know that he was any introvert or extrovert. I think he was Jesus. And so as, as a reality, I would say he had morning habits, but he had pull away habits. But here's the thing about Jesus' life. And this is really important for you to know when it comes to finding your own, because if you don't find your own rhythms and if you don't find your own ways to do Sabbath, then you're gonna start comparing other people's stuff to what you do. And I'm telling you, it's a very dangerous game. I tell young couples all the time that are thinking about getting married, I tell them, listen, listen to me. Whatever you do, do not compare your marriage to somebody else's. Because I'll tell you what you don't know. You don't hear what I hear in the office when they come and talk. You don't see what we see. Don't compare your marriage to anybody. No, you compare your marriage to what God wants from you. Because that goalpost never moves, Right? So you gotta find your own rhythms in your own ways. But I'll tell you something about Jesus that I've found in his pull-away habits. Jesus had pull-away habits to practice walking with the Father. But Jesus did not pull away to unplug. No, that is not why. All of you go, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get away more, man. I gotta, I gotta unplug. Mm -mm. Jesus pulled away consistently, and here's why. So he could plug in. He pulled away to plug in. It wasn't just getting away for the sake of getting away. So, so what does it mean then for us to, to, to do this in the name of Jesus? What, what does it mean for us to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, which we see so often in the, in the Old Testament? Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Well, it's because if you're going to do something in Jesus' name, what basically what you're saying is, I'm going to do it like Jesus did it. I'm going to do it in the character I'm going to do it in the motive to do something in Jesus' name 
means I'm going to carry out something as Jesus did. So let me give you a great way to ask that question before we get to Deuteronomy 8 for a second is maybe this is a great way to you. You want to start that journey? You want to start how do you find freedom in Christ when it comes to honoring the Lord with Sabbath? I would say ask yourself this question. I feel closest to God when? Now some of you are going, oh man, I've got the best pastor in the world because I get to play a lot more golf. This is awesome. And I will back you up, fellas. I will say no. You've you got to let him play more golf if that's what makes him closer to God. So that, listen, I'm doing everybody a favor, okay? But understand that it goes both ways, boys, okay? Because your wives are going to say, I feel closest to God when my husband cooks all the time. Right, I'm going to say, yeah, she said it. You got to honor each other, right? Submit one to another is the part of that verse in Ephesians, right? <laughs> no, I'm getting in a lot of trouble right now. I'm back out of this thing. Um, I feel closest to God when. You see, because what, what for some of you, no, no, no kidding. For some of you, like your whole world becomes more clear on a lawnmower. I got friends like that. I mean, if they need time in their soul, I got one friend that, man, he's, he gets on that riding lawnmower, and he's like, man, I, it just does something to me, right? I'm like, hey, could you come to 224 Pebble Glen and get, get close to Jesus? We can we work on that all day. I'm here to help, right? So, so, so for some of you, it's, what, seriously, what does it mean? For some of you, you like to write. What does it mean to write in Jesus' name? I got a friend of mine that paints like really cool, like these big canvases, man, like as big as that screen and nobody ever really sees them sometimes and, and they're majestic and, and I'm like, what? But when he goes in there, like you see everything of who he is come alive, right? What does it mean to do that in Jesus' name? Well, I love watching our musicians, man, because I, 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 I get as much a kick on Sunday mornings watching them play because you're, when you see somebody that's doing what God made them to do, it's a really cool thing to watch, right? So when do you feel closest to God? Uh, you know, um, I, asked, I asked Shane past that the other day. We were talking about just strategy stuff, and I was like, man, when, when do you tend to hear from God? He said, I, I tend to hear from him when I drive. I'm like, well, then you should get in your truck more. Drive out through leapers. I mean, if that's what it takes, we, we, whatever, whatever you need, right? I, for a long time on the comparison spectrum, I felt, I felt like I, I, the morning thing, and I've become more of a morning person as I got older, but, but, but um, and, and, and you know, it just, it, it is, it's true. I've become more of a morning person, but, but I can tell you, I do better. I do better if I pray throughout the day short prayers. I'm talking about like one sentence deals. If I'm struggling with something or if I'm praying for somebody or if I'm asking God for something, I will, I will try to make that a daily thing. And for me, that just works better. So I would say find your own rhythms and find your own, find your own covenants. So let's look in Deuteronomy 8 and let's, look, let's back into why this matters, okay? Let's back into why this matters. Now, actually... This particular passage in Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it's the first five books of the Bible. Um, this particular passage in, in Deuteronomy 8 is not about the Sabbath. 
but it is absolutely about remembering, and that is connected to the Sabbath massively. So we're going to read it, and in fact, there's, there's 20 verses, and it, I was just going to read the first few, and this morning, I read the rest of, I read more of it, and I was like, oh, my stars, we need to listen to this, all of us. So here we go. Ready? All the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you shall be careful to do so that you may live and multiply and go and possess the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers. You shall remember remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and he let you be hungry. Think about that. And he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. I know somebody quoted that in the New Testament. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Listen listen to where this goes. This, This is amazing. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell for those 40 years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs flowing forth in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and the land of olive oil and honey. A land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Hey, do you realize he's talking to a bunch of people who were slaves? Like this is wealth beyond anything they could think of. Verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Maybe that means we should start saying the blessing after we eat right there. I'm going to claim that at Deuteronomy 8, 10, right? Maybe we Southern Baptists and Southerners have got it wrong. We always pray before the food. God already knows I'm thankful, right? I've always thought that. Verse 11, now here we go. Beware that you do not, here we go. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes to which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of house of slavery, He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you and do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this well. but you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, 
which he swore to your fathers at his is to this day. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you will surely perish. Likewise, the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Did you hear it? Over and over and over again. Remember, 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 remember. So what I would say to you about finding a way to find soul freedom is in, in using the Sabbath is to resolve to align with God's heart. Say, so what do you mean, Jason? I would say resolve. In fact, maybe, maybe if you're taking notes, I would say maybe say it this way. Resolve to remember. What is resolve? Resolve means that you are bound and determined in your heart. You are bound and determined in your mind. You are bound and determined daily to remember who got you there. You are bound and determined to remember that your profit and loss statement does not signify your self-worth, but your profit does come from the Lord. You are bound and determined to remember that no matter what you see with your eyes, you know who brought you there. We just sang a song, What He's Done. That was actually probably one of the greatest expressions of Deuteronomy 8 we could have sung this morning. To remember what he's done. You see, because the, the reality is when remembering is not just going, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I, I had forgotten that. Let me tell you what that means. When, when he's talking about remembering, what he means is in, in the original language, if you look it up, what you'll find is, is he is saying, you need to bring up from the past what used to happen and connect yourself to that experience. You see the difference? That's more than going, oh, I forgot to go by and, and get the groceries. You didn't, remember, you didn't remember to pay the light bill or you didn't remember this or you didn't remember that. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, this is important, based on past experience, Call to mind who God is. And that's what the Sabbath does. See, it, it keeps us, did you notice that he said in verse 19, remember, 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 and then he got to this part in verse 19, Deuteronomy 8, where he said, or you will go after other gods. Remember I told you that you will finally understand Sabbath when you connect it to idolatry. When you connect it to idolatry. We are idol makers, man. Do you notice what he said? I brought you out of Egypt. I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. And I don't want you to think that it's all on you because you will begin to make your own gods and you will say to yourself, my power and my intelligence got me here. And that is how it happens. And Sabbath reminds us of, our, of who our God is because we understand. So let me, let me break it down. Let me show you this next image. Go to... Yeah, yeah. So, so those are three ways of kind of explaining the Christian life. In the top left, it says I was saved. See, there was a moment, there was a moment back there for me, it was September 2nd, 1990, when I came to Christ. That was, uh, that's the day I was saved. Okay. There's a, at the bottom right corner, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a final day when I step out of this world and I go into glory and, and I will be saved. It's over. It's done. Okay. 
But it's that part in the middle that we're living right now. I'm being saved. We use a really big theological word for that. It's called sanctification, okay? I, I, I don't know. I call it figuring it out, <laughs> you know, figuring it out. Because cause they're, cause they're figuring out how to walk more like Jesus, how to, because listen to me, and I don't, this is really dangerous to say in the evangelical church, but I've said it before, I'm still around. In fact, I'm gonna make somebody else the, the bad guy here. Go after this man. Charles Stanley once said, I remember when I was in high school and I heard him say this on a cassette tape. Okay, Molinos, here's what happened. There was this plastic thing. Come on, that was, um, sorry. Uh, he said, I'm about as saved as I'm gonna get. I was like, that's true. I was 19 years old. He's not saying the cross wasn't instrumental. Oh, come on. Absolutely. But y'all, this whole thing that Jesus talked about in John 17 about abiding, that's the in the middle part. How do we do that? How, how do I walk this thing out at 32 and 42 and 52 and 67 and 87? How do, man, uh, not long ago, I was with uh, Don Fento, long-term pastor. Oh my gosh, love Don. He's like 90 years old. Maybe he's 92 now. He was pastor. Uh, he was the pastor that I would say is pretty much the reason you have modern Christian music because he gave all these young musicians like Michael W. and all these people, he gave them a church that, he, that, that they could go to and not be told they couldn't play their stuff, you know? Um, and I was with Don uh, in a group of pastors the other day, and, and he said, you know, boys, um, I'm, when you're 90, you can call us all that, you know? Uh, you know, boys, he said, um, I'm 90. He said, and I'm not dead yet. He said, there's more of the Lord left to get, and I intend to get it. And I was like, wow. You see, it's in that middle ground of being saved. How, how does that happen? How do we live that abiding life? And so what, what you see on past experience is that God is faithful. And so did you notice, did you notice in, in verse 2 and 3? Look in, look in Deuteronomy 8, verse 2 and 3. He said, you shall remember, you shall call to mind based on past experience. See, let me tell you, you, let me tell you let me give you, I'm going to give you a little Bible, Bible work here for a minute. You can never apply an American definition to a biblical concept, okay? Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't apply a secular or a Western definition to a biblical concept. Faith in the book of Webster's is different than the Bible. Faith in the Webster's dictionary is just faith in an object. In Christianity, faith is a person, right? You can't use outside agencies to give biblical definition. So when you hear this word, remember what he's saying is call to mind based on past experience. So you shall remember the, the way in which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you to know what was in your heart. Verse three, look at this. He humbled you and he let you be hungry. Now look, no American would ever say that hunger is from God. Would we? Don't you find it amazing that everything that annoys you or brings pain into your life, you automatically ascribe it to the devil? I do that 
all the time. Y'all are looking at me like you're so holy, like you've never done that at all. I, 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 anything that I don't like, I immediately go, Lord, remove the curse of the enemy. He just said, I let you go hungry, but why? So that I could feed you. I let you go hungry because what you're eating is gonna kill you. And I'm gonna get you in a place where you're hungry and then I'm gonna feed you. But what did he feed him? Did you notice what he said? This, okay, this is the part where it gets really good if you ask me. In verse three, I fed you with manna. The people of God knew all about the food in Egypt. They were very familiar with the spices and the meat and how it tasted. But they knew nothing of manna. Nothing. They knew nothing of manna. Manna, well, that doesn't happen. Did you notice in the Exodus story, have you ever noticed that in the Exodus story, um, manna doesn't happen until they get in alignment with God. Think about that for a minute. Manna doesn't happen until they get in alignment with God. And when they got in alignment, they learned to get a different kind of food. See, how does that translate to 2022? I'll tell you what it, how it means to me for, for all of us. So many of you, we're talking about spiritual freedom and it sounds like a foreign land. Because so many of you, you have experienced what it means to be a deacon. You have experienced what it means to teach a Bible study. So many of you, you've, you've experienced what it means to serve your church and all of that is good. You've experienced the steeple. But spiritual freedom in Christ is about you experiencing a savior in the middle ground, in the being saved, figuring it out part. It's, it's, it's not about you learning how to be a better church person, right? It's not what it's about. Manna doesn't happen until you get aligned with God. It's a different kind of food. It's a whole different kind of food. So I want to walk you through this for a minute. Let's look at this for a second. Manna was providential, okay? Manna was providential. You can't force manna, right? Have y'all ever noticed like there isn't a recipe on Google for it? It's, it's God made it and it was enough. In fact, he went so far as to tell them at the end of the day, don't you, don't you love this idea of man? I'm fascinated by this thing because it shows up out of nowhere, whammo, right? Like if you're in business, if you're in the food business, you're going, man, there is no overhead. Like this is, this is epic. I don't, no cost of goods sold. I mean, there's nothing. This is great but it also rots at the end of the day. Go and read about it. God made it to where it wouldn't last. Why do you think he did that? And then on the, on the, sab the night before the Sabbath, he said, get double portions. I'll make sure it doesn't rot tomorrow. 
And the only day of the week that it wouldn't rot was the day before Sabbath, so they could hold Sabbath and still have enough food. Why do you think he was doing that? Dependence. Dependence. He was teaching them to depend on the God that brought you out of the Pharaoh's hand. So man is about providential. Presence, when you look at the Hebrew story, well, that, I think that was a lot about position. They were, they, and, and now how does that translate in the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, aren't you glad you don't have to work for God's presence? That's the difference in the New Testament. It went from God out there to God in here. In the, in the, in the New Testament, it went from a, a spirit, the, the Holy Spirit was around in the Old Testament, but he typically showed up and he put himself on people for certain circumstances, or he was the spirit of the Lord was around. But in the New Testament, the spirit of the Lord is inside. You don't have to, you don't have to work to get in position. In the Old Testament, they had to go through cleansing rituals and they had to get all ready for church. Like none of y'all, y'all, I know y'all, y'all would never show up if you had to go through all that. I'm not sure I would either. And especially after post COVID, I just watch it online. You know, that's pretty good. Y'all get that on Wednesday. All right. No. Now the presence is within. See, you don't have to fight for God's presence. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad if you're having a bad day, mom, you can just tell all the kids to shut up and go outside, right? How many times your mom ever say in or out, pick, right? I just sent PTSD to so many of y'all right in that moment, right? No. The presence is on the inside. Manna was about provision. Presence was about the position. But filling, oh, now it changes. Filling, that's different. Everybody in the chapel, that's different. That's different. You know why it's different? It's different because filling is a choice. I didn't say salvation. Don't misquote me. I didn't say salvation. I said filling. God gave you his presence on the inside. But what, notice what Paul says. Here's just one verse among many I could have showed you. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 18 says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. That's on you and that's on me. That, that means that I have a choice whether I wanna stay close to the filling of God. I have a choice. Oh, I'm saved. I, I'm saved. I can't lose it because I didn't buy it. I didn't earn it. I can't lose it. But I can certainly walk away from the favor. Oh, yes, I can. Perfect example. Can somebody be an actual Christian and have an affair? Absolutely. Sure they can. You just step out from under the filling. You chose to go your own way. It's just one small example. It's just an easy example that everybody can understand. You, 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 you can still commit sins as a Christian, absolutely. But to be filled, that's on me. The, the nuance of that verse is that is on me to set my mind on the things above as we all went through in the agreements workshop. That, that, that happens. In, in fact, that's why I would tell you that for, for us, filling is one of those places that it's not that we have to work to keep it. You, it's not about work, right? It's not about work, but... 
But the whole idea of spiritual practices is to get you in a position where you can, a place where you can hear from God and the rhythms and the covenants of your life that you reorder your life. John Ortberg said, we talked about it last week, Ortberg said that hurry is not a sign of a disordered heart. Hurry is a sign of a disordered life. Right, so we create our own rhythms and covenants to, so we can be filled with the Spirit, and that's a process, and that's why we're doing this series, because Foundations of Freedom, I am learning. I was talking to a guy this week. Um, we were talking about it. I, I, I forget, forget who it was, but we were, we were talking about this idea of, of God having a, a lot of patience, and I said, you know, man, the longer I go in my Christian journey, I'm just telling you, I'm just starting to understand that God just doesn't move fast. He doesn't count time like you do and I do. He doesn't. Oh, when he acts in a moment like spilling the Red Sea, that happened in a moment. He'd been planning that for centuries, right? So, so freedom of us learning how to do that middle ground. I was saved back there. I will be saved one day out there. But right now I am in the process of walking like Jesus, learning from Jesus, understanding how Jesus works. And so in that process, I'm learning how to be saved. And I am finding you guys, I am finding that freedom uh, of, uh, in Christ and what it means to walk with God, I am finding that is a process too. It's a process. Our mission partner, Ariana Walker, had this great quote. I texted her this week. Go back. Don't let them read it yet. Yeah, thanks. Y'all are so on top of that right there. Don't let them read it because they'll read it and then they'll quit listening to me because she's way better. But I sent her this text and I said, hey, you said something about a, a process and, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and what, did, what did that mean? And I can't remember, you know, and, and she sent me back, boom. And she sent me back what it was based on Naaman in, in the book of Kings. And, and this is what she said. And I won't read it in an English accent. She said, people often want to be a passive recipient of God's power, waiting for him to do it all and, have his mag and wave his magic wand. When in fact, more often than not, he invites us into a powerful process. That is an anointed statement. And you should burn it into your heart. See, the thing, the thing with me about Sabbath, I was telling a few people last Sunday, I said, you know, I, you know what my, my next higher ground moment is with Sabbath? I can do it in moments. I can pull away for times, but I'm not there yet on a whole day. I, I got to figure out how to do it for the day. And that's the process. We're talking about filling right? And if you want filling, well, that, let me tell you how that comes, okay? <laughs> filling doesn't come before obedience. It just doesn't. I didn't, I didn't say the presence of God's spirit in your life. I didn't say that. I'm saying if you're struggling Let's, 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 let's take what we're talking about right now. Let's say your life right now is so overloaded, you can't hear from God, cortisol's through the roof, your body's freaked out, stressed out, you know? And church doesn't make it any easier. You know, I've said for my entire ministry career, all of our church signs should put on the front, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're give out financially, bodily, we're give out, we're stressed out, we're, we're, we're trained out, 
right? But bless God, the lights never go out at, you know, at Clearview Baptist Church. You know, we got, we got church. You, you, you should pull up some churches, man, like their list of activities through the week. I mean, I, I pulled up this church website the other day and the website alone made me tired. Like how do y'all function doing all this stuff? Divorce rate's just the same. Pornography rate's just the same. I'm not saying less is more. I'm saying let's don't kid ourselves. What I'm saying to you is if you want filling, if you, right now if your life is overloaded, if you want filling, that comes after obedience. You're gonna have to move and adjust your life. I love what Jesus said about the pearl of great price. He said, the merchant went and bought, he saw one pearl and he went and bought all, he took all the pearls that he had, he liquidated his assets and he went and got the one pearl. And you know what that story tells me? You can have, that whole story is about the kingdom of God. You can have the kingdom of God. You actually can. but you gotta give up the other pearls to get it. You can have it. See, filling follows faithfulness. It does. It follows faithfulness. I didn't say performance. I'm saying if God is telling you that you're overloaded and you're stressed out and freaked out, he will meet you. Just like he did in Deuteronomy, he said, I made them hungry just to fill them. God sometimes will let you get to the, listen to me, Christian friend, I've been there more than once. God will let you get to the end of yourself if it means getting you home. If it means getting you home. So, so here's what I want you to understand. When it comes to the spiritual practices that's what Sabbath is. It's a spirit. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. When it comes to the spiritual practices, I want you to listen to me really closely. It's not that God wants you to participate in Sabbath so that you will avoid exhaustion. You don't need Jesus to do that. You could avoid exhaustion just by having more discipline in your life. No, the point of the spiritual practices is not that you would have more peace. No. These foundations of freedom that we're gonna go through, it's not so that you can become less flamed out. No, the point of practicing Sabbath is to use Sabbath as it was intended to be used, as a vehicle to usher you into the presence of the Prince of Peace. And that's different. Sabbath is a vehicle. It is a gift. But it doesn't work unless you use it. So are you exhausted this morning? God's given you a vehicle. Are you mentally tired? I'm not talking about sleepy tired. Are you mentally tired? There is a vehicle. You can get in it 
and it will carry you not to peace. It'll carry you to the peace giver. It'll carry you to the peace giver. And that is where freedom is. Freedom is in a person, not a practice. Freedom is found in Christ. And it's the practices that allow me to rest because I know who the person is. I know who the provider is. And Sabbath allows me to align with that and realize I can stop. I can sleep. I can feel closest to God when Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary. Remember that verse? Come to me, all you who are weary. He didn't say come to Sabbath. He said, come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come to me. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.